Book Squad Goals is proud to be an affiliate for the 2019 Refresh Weekly Planner by Workspacery. Planning time to record a podcast around four working women's schedules is tough. That's why we need the right tools to keep us on time and up to date. Featuring a beautiful minimalist design, dual weekly layout with task organization, and a goal planning section, the 2019 Refresh Weekly Planner has everything you need to keep you organized and inspired in the coming year. Check out our affiliate link in the show notes to get yours today. everyone what how are you can't hear you i turned my headphones down (laughs) how's everyone else doing that can hear me you know i'm all right i've been better i've been worse everyone ignore emily okay (laughs) i've got a question for you yes Mm -hmm. what is your favorite piece of useless trivia oh man oh can i go first even though we're ignoring me yes that question was for everyone but Emily. And let me tell you. Wh- what? Who? I want to tell you something. Elephants. I want to tell you something about elephants. Are we all going to have animal trivia? Probably. Probably. Animals are the <laughs> best. Um, I love elephants, so I want to tell you that elephants can't jump. <laughs> that makes sense. Actually, the you image of one jumping in my head just made me laugh. white men who couldn't jump, but it's elephants. <laughs> it's elephants. They can't. Jump. <laughs> that's that's awesome. it. Elephants they just can't, can't jump. It's a good. It's a good trivia. Yeah, I mean, I never thought about it, but you ain't ever gonna sense. see an elephant jump because it can't do it. Um, <laughs> there you go. I'll go. This is Mary. Oh, this was Emily, by the way. Sorry. Yeah. My piece of trivia. I have a lot of cat trivia I could share, but I don't know how fun that would be for you guys because I feel like you probably know all the cat trivia. Well, I, I love have a cat. cat trivia that I'm gonna. So. Use. I will say say instead, did you know that plants can communicate with each other via like a hormone, not hormone, but like a enzyme that they release into the air? Nice. And so the movie The Happening by M. Night Shyamalan. Oh my gosh, that's what you got this piece of trivia from The Happening. No, I didn't get it from The Happening. I'm just saying that's where they got the movie from. Oh my god. She's saying the happening could happen. Yeah, happening could happen. <laughs> god. That movie's so bad. It's really bad. That's one, like one of the worst movies like in history, mm-hmm. I think. Well, it's hard to watch people run away from wind because you can't see yeah. wind. <laughs> so I watched that movie recently for the first time and like I was texting my brother about it while I was watching it. Mm-hmm. And like at the very beginning of the movie, I texted him like I just am having a really hard time buying Mark Wahlberg as a teacher. And he was like, this is going to be a really difficult movie for you. you got to suspend your disbelief. <laughs> yeah. That's the tip of the iceberg for that movie. So it gets it worse. Like, if if <laughs> that's what you're having trouble with, the rest of this movie is going to be a rough ride. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but really, as we just learned, I mean, maybe it's not all that impossible. 
Hmm. Well, they can't transfer these en- enzymes to humans, which is <laughs> well. I'm also, kidding. Of Mark course, Mark Wahlberg it's being a teacher is not possible. Yeah. Um, right. We'll start now. And I'm supposed which to believe they're a couple. Mark Wahlberg and Zoe Deschanel yeah. being a believable couple. Exactly. Yeah. Nope. I forgot about that, and I already I just watched this movie like last year. So, mm-hmm. all right. I saw it in theaters. <laughs> Kelly, what's this cat trivia? This is Kelly, um, and I have a cat trivia. Sorry, Susan. Uh, so I, I want to first say that I had some other trivia, like two other ideas, and I looked them both up, and I found out that they were um, false. Oh, no. What if mine is false? No, I looked mine up, <laughs> to be sure. I didn't look mine up. I was up. like, this can elephants thing jump? I've heard. And it's, no, they cannot. You can Google it. I believe it. But anyway, I decided that I would do a cat trivia. So this one... Cats can make 100 or around 100 vocal sounds. Dogs can only it. make 10. Babies Dogs make how so many? Expressive. 10. Oh. Vocal sounds. See, this confirms my theory that Mabel is mostly cat then. Because <laughs> the sounds she makes. Like Mabel. There's more than 10. <laughs> I feel like Petrina makes a hundred different sounds daily. Yeah. Well, Petrina's a screamer. (laughs) Yeah, Petrina is a screamer. She's a screamer. We call it, sometimes we call her the Scrimlin. Oh, because she scrims? Mm Mm-hmm. I call Penelope baby monkey because her meow sounds like a baby monkey. It's like... (laughs) Penny. Mabel also makes a similar sound, so... I'm just saying. I think Mabel might be a cat. She's a cat. I think she is at least half. Yeah. Half okay, cat. Susan, your trivia. So mine's dog, dog related. Nice. Um, That's fine. We'll it takes a it. second to explain, kind of. Okay. So. Okay. When we see moving pictures, like on TV or a movie or something, mm-hmm. so we're actually seeing. It looks like one smooth movement, but it's actually you know a bunch of frames. But, like, mm-hmm. the rate that our flicker fusion is in our eyes, we see it smoothly. But dogs have a faster flicker fusion rate. So they can actually see every individual frame and the black space between them when they're watching That's crazy. TV, for example. Damn. That's so interesting. Yeah. So, that makes sense, um, though, because they're For hunters. that reason, and also because dogs can't smell anything coming through the TV, they actually probably really don't enjoy watching TV, despite that some people insist that their dog loves to watch TV. Their dog might enjoy listening to TV. Maybe. Yeah. But um, they're most likely indifferent specifically just because they can't smell it. And that's that's their main level of interest. But if it's a fully digital broadcast, then they can see it like normal, but still can't smell it. So they don't really care. Huh. I just thought that was Hmm. really cool. Interesting. It is. Hmm. Very. There's a bunch of stuff about rods and cones that goes with that, but oh, I'm yeah. not going <laughs> to get into the actual <laughs> science because I'm not a scientist, but I did read that in a book by a scientist. Nice. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> we, will, we will not cite our sources. We refuse. <laughs> I, I'm citing Google. It's called Inside of a Dog by Alexander Horowitz. It actually is a real book. My bibliography <laughs> is just Google. I have, I have one more. One more cat fact. I can't hold it in when cats <laughs> rub on things with their faces it's called bunting 
Oh, yes. and I just think that sounds really cute. Did you know that the technical name for a, a litter of kittens is a Kindle? <gasps> like a book thing? Yep. Those sound like facts that could have been randomly thrown into the book we're discussing this week, <laughs> which is Goodbye Vitamin by Rachel Kong. You'll see what we mean in a minute. What an introduction. Um, <laughs> all right. Here's the summary. I grabbed this off of the Book of the Month website, but it might nice. have been what was on the jacket. So I'm not totally sure where it came from, but I didn't write it. All right. Freshly disengaged from her fiancé and feeling that life has not turned out quite the way she planned, 30-year-old Ruth quits her job, leaves town, and arrives at her parents' home to find that the situation more complicated than she'd realized. Her father, a prominent history professor, is losing his memory and is only erratically lucid. Ruth's mother, meanwhile, is lucidly erratic. That's <laughs> such a dumb sentence. But as Ruth's father's condition intensifies, the comedy in her situation takes hold, gently transforming all her grief. Told in captivating glimpses and drawn from a deep well of insight, humor, and unexpected tenderness, Goodbye Vitamin pilots through the loss, love, and absurdity of finding one's footing in this life. It's amazing that this was taken from Book of the Month because it has two typos. I know, and I did copy and paste it. That's why I stumbled Ooh. twice. Like, <laughs> damn. I noticed both places you stumbled, there was a typo, was like, and I was it, like... Yeah, it's not because I can't read. It's because someone else can't write. So, <laughs> blame it on someone else. Pass the buck. That's the name of my game. All right. I can confirm this is not from the jacket. Okay. I thought I had seen the word disengaged somewhere else in another um, summary. And it does I think say that on the jacket. That kind of cracks me up because it sounds like a totally different thing than being engaged like to disengage your parachute or right yes (laughs) (laughs) i've never heard it called that before me neither i was like but then again i've never had to say it so i don't know like if you i don't know it's just like i don't know (laughs) y'all if you were never if you never got married and you just broke up just say you broke up. Come on. No, say you were. Why you gotta make it a big from deal? Your Why you gotta make it a big deal? <laughs> All right. So All right, whatever. As this states, um, Ruth's father is losing his memory. Uh, he has Alzheimer's, probably, but um, like they, like she notes in the like the narrator notes, there's no real like actual diagnosis for this. It's like. You can only name things that it isn't. So by process of elimination, he has dementia and Alzheimer's. But as he calls himself straight up demented, which I do think is kind of funny. So I'm um, pretty sure that also, sorry to interrupt, but yeah. with Alzheimer's, you can diagnose it, but only after the person has right. died. Right. Because you have to like examine pieces of the brain you couldn't cut into if they were yeah. living. Yeah. So later, though, they will probably find out that that's what <laughs> Yes. That's horrible. Okay. Um, so, uh, memory obviously then plays a pretty huge role in the book, but it's not like just about her dad's memory. There are a lot of her childhood memories floating through the book and then memories of her disengaged fiance. So, what do we think about the role that memory plays in the novel? Mary has, you wrote some notes on here, so I know you've got some thoughts. Um, yes. I <laughs> yes um yes <laughs> I was really interested 
in all of the lists in the book. And it wasn't lists like traditional, here are the things I'm going to get at the store or whatever. But there were lists like of events that happened in the day. You asked me this. I told you this. And that's when the dad is doing that, right? Yes. There are notes that the dad takes on his daughter. I assumed when she was a kid. Yes. And she was finding them throughout the house. Yeah, because he said, like, today you said blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And then by the end of the novel, she's taking notes on her dad. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. To sort of... Can I say my favorite note? Yeah. I really loved when he said, one time I took you with me to the post office, and you said, so this is Aaron's. (laughs) (laughs) That feels right. That was such... Yeah, it was just, like, such a cool moment where, like, I I don't know, like, that felt very real, like, a real thing kids would say as sort of, like, they're sort of beginning to understand what adult world is because like i think oh my god you hear this you hear the thumping of like i yeah, swear I to god i'm surround oh wow what are they doing the f- like constant, <laughs> no, like it's constant it's all day wait is that an elephant jumping <laughs> no it's not an elephant jumping because elephants can't do that right because like, it can't I be <laughs> what i was gonna say because like what was I talking about? Oh, it just seemed like a really uh, realistic portrayal of like a kid kind of like realizing how adult work, how the adult world works. Because when you're a kid and your parents say like, oh, I'm going to go run errands, that doesn't like mean anything to you. So that like, it seems Sounds like kind errands, of exciting. I don't know. Yeah. Or like a thing. I don't know. I remember always hearing that as running errands, like, like. The name Aaron. Leave Aaron alone. Yeah, and I'm like, what, we, what is that mean? Yeah. So I related to that a... moment. Yeah. Oh, this is Aaron. Definitely. <laughs> so that was my favorite one. That's all. I just think list taking as a form of remembering things is interesting. And the lists themselves seemed almost poetic to the mm-hmm. point that I was sort of reading some of them out loud to Todd and saying like, oh, this sounds like a poem. And I thought that was really interesting. But at the same time, that was the most interesting <laughs> part to me. Yeah, I liked I liked the lists and I liked the way that because you you wrote here too, like the shift in their roles right. from the person being cared for to being the caregiver. Mm-hmm. And I thought that that was really like nicely reflected yeah. the the way that her and her father's roles switch, um, and just like the way that I guess when you when someone has Alzheimer's, they sort of like become a lot more childlike as the disease progresses because mm-hmm. it's a sort of like it's a horrible illness, and <laughs> obviously, but it it like there's like a disintegration of like your understanding of the world and you lose your first you lose your memories then you start to lose your words and then you lose your like physical functions right. until you essentially like forget breathing <laughs> like it's crazy mm-hmm, but yeah. um i think i think like the the notes that she was taking about her father and like the lists she was making about him were sort of like moments of lightness um like and when she could see these these things that he would do that were like the way that you would take a note about your kid doing something cute, you know, 
like her dad doing something that made her laugh, even if it was, you know, a result of this illness. It was still, like, a positive thing. Right. So I thought that was interesting, too. I thought there was some good stuff about her um, engagement in that whole relationship, too, and, like, these moments where she realizes that she doesn't really remember it, the remember certain things the way that they happen or the way that he would remember them. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Which I think if you've ever broken up with anybody, like <laughs> that is a thing that you kind of go through. I mean, when I break with up with somebody, I remember everything perfectly and they are the ones that <laughs> don't remember how <laughs> shitty they were. Oh, but I mean, like that's just it's always their I fault just dated for sure. People. <laughs> no, I mean, like, no, for real. Like, in my case, I just actually yeah. dated really shitty people. Yeah. It, it, it was totally their fault. Again, yes. uh, I I think <laughs> anyone, any of us have ever broken up with, it was totally their fault, I assume. Oh, absolutely, um, because we're perfect. I mean, I feel Why confident ever- saying We're all really good people. So <laughs> right. we're per- like, but- really good people. We're very giving partners. Humble. Um, I'm talking about smaller moments of right. just, like, a thing that she – might have thought was kind of sweet at the time was actually not really um like she was just remembering it a certain way because she was sad and then when she had some distance could realize like no he might have already known at that point he was leaving Mm -hmm. stuff like that yeah and because memory is like a really fascinating thing to explore because it is you know completely made up like our memories are totally malleable, and no matter how much we think they're true, like studies show that, <laughs> that uh, you know your memories change over time significantly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, that's really depressing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. A lot of your memory is totally fiction. Yeah, it sucks. Which is just like a bummer. <laughs> like, why do our brains do that? But I don't know. That's not except for Emily's. <laughs> except Emily's. No, I was just going to say, Susan, that story I told you earlier today about my brother, it's totally accurate. <laughs> I would never forget that. <laughs> when my brother headbutted the bale of hay. I'm sure there are some things you probably don't ever forget. I could never yeah. forget that. But I remember yeah. talking about this in a like a creative nonfiction class. Like, what is like a truthful or actually truthful representation of something that happened when there's really no way to right know. Yeah. Um, and then do, it, does it count as truthful if it is true to you the way that you remember it? What did you conclude? I mean, I think it counts. It, I would say it counts as truthful if you are the only person who remembers it and no one else is there to contradict This is why you. Like, <laughs> I'm so bad at creative nonfiction because we would have – we have discussions like that in class, mm-hmm. and I, a fiction writer, just think, who the fuck cares if it's true or not? Yeah. Like, why does it matter? If, like, if it's a good story, who the fuck cares? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's why I, mean, I, I guess suck at writing The only time it really matters is when the other person's like, no, that's not how it happened. This is how <laughs> yeah, I remember it. Yeah, that's why it's it. just it's just safer to yeah. write fiction. And if you want to <laughs> write creative nonfiction, just – tweak some of the details and make it fiction and then everybody's safe or else you end up like the guy who wrote a million little pieces right people do care (laughs) 
clearly. Well, I know. That's um, why I'm saying just, like, write fiction. Then it doesn't matter. And Oprah yeah. screams at you. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, but if it had been fiction, Oprah wouldn't have screamed. That's what I'm saying. But a lot of this that's book reads like creative nonfiction. It does. Because, yes. I mean, and that's partially probably thanks to the forum. Like, it's it's diary entries. Right. And, Which but, I like. Yeah, I like that, too. Uh, but I think more it's just the little, like, it's almost vignette-like. And that mm-hmm. is a lot of, uh, like, essay books tend to have, like, that kind of move in them. So, yeah. yeah. Um, it felt like a lot of moments that she might have actually collected from like real life and then kind of turned yeah. it into a, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Like, I kind of keep a list of stuff that I'm going to write a poem about. Yeah. And I, it feels like she had a big list. I just, I, I just had trouble with this book and the fact that it read like creative nonfiction, honestly, because like to me, and I mean, maybe this kind of, is the reverse of everything I just said because like creative nonfiction and fiction in reality are pretty different. And I don't, things that matter in creative nonfiction don't always matter in the same way in fiction. And it's just hard for me to like, like, Oh, you wrote these vignettes, but they seem less meaningful because like none of this really happened. Mm hmm. And so that's just kind of the reaction I was having to it. Like, if this were, I don't know that I would have enjoyed the book any more or less had it been creative nonfiction, but I, I think I would understand the inclusion of some of the things more. And then even like, I don't know. I just, I, I had, I took issue with that and I can't really like put my finger on why it's not because it's, it's not fair, but it's just more like, None of this happened, so I don't understand why it's it's here. Was kind of how I was feeling a lot of the time. Like I okay, here's what it is. Um, <laughs> That's no, every like, book ever, Emily. <laughs> no, no. But like, here's what it is. Here's what it is. So I think that the reason that I like writing fiction and not creative nonfiction, I try really hard to like writing creative nonfiction because I feel like it's great and I enjoy reading it. Mm-hmm. But the thing about fiction is you have the control to make structure and make meaning out of things and to create like um, more of a, more of a cohesion that isn't real. Like you don't have that in real life. And so I think I'm more forgiving of a lack of cohesion in creative nonfiction because like to create that would seem false. Um, But I, I kind of expect it in my fiction a little bit more. Not that I don't, not that I don't mind, like, a little bit of, like, stream of consciousness or whatever, but I feel like a lot of this just seemed not connected, and I was just sort of like, I don't know why we're wandering down this rabbit hole. Right. So, I mean, that's – I think that's what it is. Is It's it's just sort of like the expectation of structure in fiction that I wasn't getting. And, again, that's just probably just me – and the same type of structure in nonfiction, I would be fine with. But in this, it kind of, like, bothered me. Yeah, I mean, I think this is, like, a weird way to to uh, relate it. But I think of things like mockumentaries or, like, like podcasts that are, like, fictionalized podcasts mm-hmm. but are recorded as though they are actual – you know, like, that kind of thing. Yeah. Or, like, I, th- I think if you – like, I was sort of reading it from the perspective of, like, assuming that this is real. Like, mm-hmm. forget that I know that this is fiction. 
I'm just going to read it. Like, I'm not going to think about this really happened or this didn't really happen. Because you can't, it's like, you know, the suspension of disbelief, but it's like, it, it's, it is like a form of writing that is usually used in nonfiction. But I think even with mockumentaries, even though they use that form, there's still more like structure and narrative than you'd expect from a normal documentary. Like, more dramatic things happen. Um, I mean, just, yeah. Well, yeah, that's, that's true. With, with this novel... I thought the big sort of climactic action was going to be um, the father finding out that his daughter and students had created a class. Oh, that was so sad. To give him the illusion that he still had a job. Yeah. And I thought he was going to find that out and be really upset about it. And that was going to be sort of like the big final push of the novel. But instead... He finds fairly he finds out about halfway through the book, yeah. and he is upset about it, rightfully so. But he gets over it, and the book keeps going. Yeah, yes. he's upset about it for like a page. I mean, he's upset about it for a while. I mean, in time wise, he was upset about it for a while. But in he the was book, upset he was about upset it for a while. A but I think it just shows yeah. he was kind of losing yeah. his memories. Like he yeah. couldn't hold on to his emotions. Look how long it is when he's upset. How long? okay Hermione it was more it was certainly more than a page (laughs) alright we'll see we will see well time passes too in between entries well I know time passes I'm not talking about time I'm talking about page length (laughs) 100 and a million percent this is important just keep going I'm gonna find it oh we will Uh, (laughs) I thought that was gonna be sort of the big action of the novel but then it ended up not being and the novel just sort of ends well, I think, I mean, the novel ends, at, like, about a year later, right? Right. Yeah. She stays at home for a year. She's, yeah. Cool. yeah. And I think, I mean, I think a lot, like, despite the fact that it, the narrative is fairly tame as far as, like, not a lot of huge dramatic events happen, but a lot of, like, things do happen. Discoveries are made, you know, relationships are formed, etc. Right. Um, it's just, it doesn't happen in that neat way that we expect. This is, and a note I made for us tonight is, and this is what I keep coming back to every time I think about this book, is it just, it feels like an MFA thesis. Yes. It feels like she wrote this for her dissertation project at UF, and (laughs) she, uh, I mean, she went to UF. I'm not making that up. Oh, yeah, okay. Uh, I'm not like calling out UF for I some reason. I thought you were just saying like fucking UF. No, she went to UF. So like it feels it feels like more like F U, huh? <laughs> but yeah, it's like she. It feels like this was her dissertation project, and she revised it into something she could publish. And mm-hmm. it has that feeling of like I'm playing with form. I'm gonna do vignettes and diary entries, and I'm gonna include these lists that are sort of poetic. And there's not gonna be a firm happy ending to my novel. It's gonna be ambiguous. And yeah, I mean, as a creative writing student, this feels like every fucking MFA short story I ever had to read. Okay, I was actually wondering because this is an issue that I had with it. I did. I enjoyed 
this book. Right. But I felt like I could see what she was doing as the writer. Yes. And that, Absolutely. Yes. Um, Absolutely. That, like, bugged me. That's what I was saying. It feels like she kept a list a of these things that she wanted to use in writing sometime and then stuck them all in a thing. Mm-hmm. And... I mean, That's I think that the result, I think it turned out well, but I also, I was like, is this just because I'm also a writer Kind-ish. and so like I'm workshopping this thing or is it too clear that like how self-conscious it is? No, I think you're absolutely writing right. Style? I think you're absolutely right that it's too clear that like we can see the mechanics of how this is yeah. set up. I feel like this is a good time to bring in my quote and I think this will yes, be a good transition into food. Yes, so can we talk that. about this? Because yeah. this was one of the quotes that like I was like, I want to workshop and I actually had a moment where I was like, What would Steve say about this? Oh my gosh. But that's neither here nor there. Who the fuck is Steve? <laughs> Steve was our He's uh, not from teacher. UF, you wouldn't know him. Yeah. <sighs> anyway, uh, so on turn to page sixty nine in this book. Oh boy. Um, and you will find the line, the moon tonight looks like a cut zucchini coin. All right. Here's what I want to say about this line. And I'll, I'll talk a little bit more about she continues this fucking idiotic metaphor later on in the same section. What the fuck does a zucchini like? What does that look like? It's a so circle. A moon? So it's a circle. It looks like a motherfucking moon. <laughs> How, like what sort of information does this give me about the moon that I didn't have the fucking for? It drove okay, me. I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? Listen. Uh-huh. So, when you <laughs> yeah. cut a zucchini. <laughs> I know. Yes. This, there are the seeds in Girl, the middle. Girl, I cook. So, like, so in the craters of a goddamn moon. The moon. That's what a moon looks like. Had a circular crater impression that night that looked like a zucchini coin. Maybe it had a greenish tint to it also. Mm, also, perhaps. then it was like. The moon was shining its zucchini light on us. Like, give it up, girlfriend. It's a bad metaphor. Like, please, or I guess, no, it's a bad simile. <laughs> I, I mean, I wrote one in there too that I didn't love. Let's hear it. Well, I didn't quote it directly because I couldn't find it again. But it was basically <laughs> that her fear was a bratwurst. Yes, and. I just not sure what that what that means. What does that that mean? (laughs) I I understand that less than the zucchini. I appreciated a lot of her imagery, and there were parts of the book that were, I mean, just absolutely beautiful the way she was describing things. And I was on board, but when we get to stuff like the zucchini moon, I'm sort of like, girl, I see what you're doing here. Right yeah, back. again, it's a it's an I see what you're doing, yeah thing. But anyway, yeah. both of those happen to be about food, and that's not a coincidence because there's a lot so food. of food in this novel. Um, there's a lot of talk about cooking, different stuff, and then mostly there's like this obsession with finding foods that have some kind of healing property or Cruciferous are good for vegetables. memory function, stuff that they can give their her dad because there's not a cure for this so all they can really do is like Mm -hmm. obsess over these food items um i mean we talk we talk taste we talk shape we talk metaphors we talk vitamins minerals what would you like to say about food there's the literal food and then there's the metaphorical food (laughs) 
There's so there much metaphorical food. food. One thing I think is really interesting is something that keeps coming up throughout the novel is one night she and her dad are watching an infomercial for the Ronco rotisserie. They order this rotisserie machine off of TV and they spend the rest of the novel intermittently, like just putting stuff in the rotisserie (laughs) and seeing what happens. I thought that was kind of funny. I thought that was fun. And that's like something that just she and her dad share that. And it's sort of like, in a way I was thinking like the rotisserie, it's something that's spinning around and around and memory is kind of circular in that way, at least in the book. I would like more stuff like that. I mean, and less of like Linus, for example. Yeah, I think (laughs) there wasn't very much Linus. I know, but there's not, this book is small. There's not a lot of anything really. So like, there's not room. in, In that little space, like I want more of her and her dad putting stuff on the rotisserie and like seeing these experiences they're having together. It's only a year and it's not every day. Um, I I mean, really Linus is only function. I think we know is to, is to point out a different version of her dad. Yes. than she has in her head. Other than that, like Linus is very important. Yes. (laughs) Or Linus uh, is a terrible name. Or like yeah, Theo. Linus is a terrible name. But I do think I do think it's an important function because you know obviously your relationship with your parent is going to be different than your uh, your mom's right. relationship with like your relationship with your dad is different than your mom's relationship with your dad. But I think it's interesting to present like two different sibling perspectives of a parent when the siblings weren't that far apart in age, right. but just far enough where they got like two different mm-hmm. versions of this person as a parent because for her her dad is you know was a a great dad and this person who encouraged learning in her and knowledge and you know all of this stuff but then her brother got to see her dad's alcoholic side and also the the affair that was going on um and like all of these bad parts of him that our narrator didn't see so she has to kind of like i think i think it's it's interesting too when you're talking about a person who's losing their memory and is at the end of their life like what what things about them you know do we start to have to reconcile because Mm -hmm. you know he's losing his memory like he's never going to be able to make up for these things that he did wrong so like at what point do you let it go and just kind of like you know yeah well, this is this is like remembering things a way they didn't really happen. Only in this case, even when faced with the reality that he is still doing some of these things, she kind of almost de- kind of denies it so that she can mm-hmm. still see him the way that she wanted to see him. I think until the end. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which is another fun thing you can make your memory do, just like block shit out. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. Your brain's like, no. I, I also wonder how I would feel about this book if I had any conception of what having a family member with Alzheimer's was like. I do. You do? So, yeah. So I think that 
that might be why I sort of like possibly enjoyed this book more mm-hmm. than yeah. you guys did. And not to say that I think this book is perfect in any right. way. Um, also, you know, I didn't get an MFA uh, or PhD, so I didn't have to read a lot of, of stuff like that. Um, so to me, like, I understand, I see what you're saying mm-hmm. about, and yes, like, you can see what she's doing, but I haven't, like, read a ton of shit like that. You're not jaded by it yet. Yeah. You're not so, burned out like some of us are. Yeah. I think I may yeah. represent a slightly more, um, uh, what's the word that I'm looking for? An audience that is not so jaded mm-hmm. by, um, literature programs. <laughs> but, yeah. uh, anyway, that aside, my my grandmother, my mom's mom, um, had Alzheimer's from the time that I was very young until uh, I was, like, I think I must have been in, like, fifth or sixth grade when she died. Mm-hmm. She had it for eight years. And that was, like, the entire time that I remember knowing her. Right. Um, like, so from, from, like, the age of five, like, she didn't know who I was. Oh, man. And, you know, and I saw – I had to see, like, the way that my mom would – you know, go and see her and, like, how much it affected her and just, like, this person. Like, it was always the most terrifying thing to me to see someone, like, forget the most important people in their lives. Mm -hmm. And, like, the way that it sort of would happen backwards. Like, you'd forget what was most recent and you'd keep forgetting further and further back. Um, And, yeah, I mean, I I think that this is, like, a a really – accurate representation of what that's like um and and it wasn't even you know that personal for me because i was so young at the time that it wasn't like i knew her before it happened Mm -hmm. so i didn't like have a person who i was losing necessarily that's what Um, i think would be really hard is like yeah because it was her dad like she grew up with this perception of him and not only does she have to deal with coming to terms with the things Linus has said and like the affair and the drinking, but she has to come to terms with the fact that she's losing the dad she's known her whole life. I mean, he's just not Mm going to be the same anymore. And now they have to take care of him. I mean, there are points in the novel where he just straight up throws a tantrum because he's so confused about what's happening. She has to throw out all the knives. Yeah, she yeah. has to like they have to baby proof the house. I mean, that's what would be so hard to me. I think, and that's a very normal mm-hmm. uh, or you know thing that happens commonly with people who have those kind of uh, either dementia or Alzheimer's is like anger and confusion, mm-hmm. and you know people like yelling at each other for like no re- like you know, getting angry for no reason or getting really aggressive and scary. It makes sense because if you, I mean, like if you get confused, it's overwhelming sometimes. Even like me, when I get confused, (laughs) sometimes I feel overwhelmed and get upset because I do not have dementia. I can sort of process like I'm getting upset because I'm confused and frustrated right now. But if you have even less of a, like, grasp of what's going on, it would be even worse. Yeah. I was just going to say that um, I I also did have a family member with dementia. And I was – she was so old by the time it was happening, though, that I didn't have, like, tons and tons of memories with her when I was younger. But I was very close to the person who was her sole caregiver. And mm-hmm. so I've seen – that 
that perspective right. of it. So I did, what I did find really interesting about this novel was that the caregiver was a 30 year old and not as it often is like a middle-aged person caring for like their elder parent, um, like really old parent. Um, it was someone who was like my exact age. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and also, you know, dealing with kind of her own life crises at the time. Um, yeah, I, I liked the different, that different take on the caregiver. Well, well her mom's just kind of like, I can't. Right. I don't think her mom knows what to do at all. So Yeah. Well, also, like, she's pissed at him and doesn't, right. like, part of her doesn't want to help him. Yeah. Which, I mean, I understand. Yeah. I I you, I almost forgot that I was looking for that section, so now I'm oh. looking again. Oh, <laughs> I was like, "What are you doing?" Oh, I found it. You found the beginning or the end of the. It starts on page at the at the bottom of page one eighteen is when they like drive home and he's upset. Then it better right. fucking end on page one nineteen, Emily. <laughs> it ends on page one twenty. Uh oh. That but, he's no longer upset. Yeah. While we're talking about this, look at this angel. Oh. A baby. Also, guys, the last thing I really want to talk about is humor. Okay. And how that works. Because obviously this is a sad subject, but it is pretty funny a lot of the time. Sometimes maybe it is a little too self-consciously funny, but... I think that it works a lot of the time. So, did you guys think it was funny? Yeah. (laughs) I think, like, there are lots of sad, sort of poignant moments, and it's also funny. And I think sometimes what was funny was just the complete absurdity of what was happening. Like, I hate to keep going back to the rotisserie, but it is just absurd (laughs) that I just happened to be up, ordered a rotisserie, (laughs) and become super into it. (laughs) <laughs> yeah i don't know just like the juxtaposition of some things was funny yeah and i think there's a lot of funny moments like between her and is it theo yeah she's mm-hmm. her dad's uh sort of student who she starts having a romance with her boo-boo her mm-hmm. boo-boo they have some very sweet funny interactions throughout also her friendship with What's her friend's name? Bonnie. 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 Okay, it was Bonnie. Because I was thinking it was mm-hmm. Bonnie, and then I was like, no, I'm just thinking of Emily and Bonnie. That's why I'm th- – but it was Bonnie. Aww. So, so her Bonnie. friend Bonnie and her, like – she like she goes and, like, asks Bonnie if she can – because her hair – Bonnie's a hairdresser, and she asks her if she can give her a haircut, and she does it, and Bonnie's like, this looks awful. <laughs> and then she has to fix it, <laughs> like – Stuff like that. At least she can fix her own hair, though, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, that's probably... You're probably okay with someone fucking with your hair if you know, like, I can fix this. It's fine. Yes. But I do think that there are lots of fun moments. I have a line that I liked that I marked that's kind of funny, but also that I just really like, which is about her stupid um, ex, her disengaged um, fiancé, Joel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, she says... You know what else is unfair about Joel? That I loosened the jar lid so somebody else could open him. Ooh. 
I, I love like that, that one. Too. <laughs> but it's so it like it's so meaning. It's like that that thing of being the person who is with someone before they find their real person that they're gonna be yeah. with. You know, I'm like I primed him. Yeah. I, I, I don't know what that's him like to, because I'm everybody's real person that I'm with. So. Yeah, exactly, Emily. <laughs> if only I could kiss as well as Emily can. I feel like Emily needs her own relationship podcast. Or she yeah. just tells people to I do it in exact way she does it. I'm obsessed with you in three simple steps yep. by Emily. Right. Um, but yeah, I've been, I've been in that position. <laughs> and it's shitty. Well, what's cool is that someone else is probably in that position for you, so. True. Somebody is the one before the one. Wow. Deep. So this meaningful. Been deep thoughts by Susan. <laughs> Thanks for that, Susan. All right. Well, Emily, did you think it was funny or are you angry? <laughs> <laughs> well, like I said, I really like the, so this is Aaron's line. Um, so there were a couple of moments like that that I enjoyed and I think a lot of them were in the moments where he was like looking at her as a child because I I, although like childrenisms I found cute right would have been cuter if they had been real but But it takes some skill to make up fake childrenisms doesn't it does it It does and they did they felt real they felt like like I was saying earlier they felt like things that kids would really say yeah so I enjoyed that, those parts, I think, the most. There was there was another one that I thought was really funny. I think it was, like, really early on, though. I liked the one about, the question about, she asked if her dad had ever seen a moth-eating clothing. And he oh, said yeah. no. And so she's like, well, how do he's we like, really I know? don't believe so. it. Or she's like, I don't believe it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, I thought the humor was a nice balance because there were some really... Um, sad moments. Like I got really bummed out when he accidentally stole that chicken. Yeah, and I don't know. I like they both funny. kind of had this moment where they realize he stole the chicken, and they're like, "We just have to go." And you know that he knows he did it, but like he can't take, he can't go back either. So he just like takes it, and it's that it made me really bummed out. But at least they put it's it on the and funny, so it kind of gets better. Yep. But yeah. Oh, it, yeah. It, the one that I was thinking about is really early on. It's like on page three when it, when it says you were distressed because your pair of gloves had gone missing. When I asked you for a description, you said they're short. They're sort of shaped like my hands. <laughs> I have found That's a good a, one. <laughs> another one in the same um, section as the post office errands one. That says, today when I told you to behave, you roared angrily, I'm being haved. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's good. So I like. I think those were my favorite parts, those like uh, little sections. Without those moments, this would have been quite more of a bummer than mm-hmm. it yeah. is. So that's good. Sometimes you have to laugh. While really shitty things are happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like a lot of times that's all you can do. Yeah, it's like all you're off with. Or you'll just like completely combust. This was this was my favorite one. I don't know that it's funny. 
Today you had me excavate your nose, which you'd cut, which you'd put corn into. <laughs> Today, while I was trying to teach you to swim, you asked how deep the pool was. When I said four feet, you looked incredulous and said, "Whose feet?" <laughs> Today we went over to your mother's friend's house for dinner. We'd asked you to be polite, so you said, "No more, please. It's horrible. Thank you." <laughs> Today was my birthday, and you asked me how old I was. When I told you 35, you seemed stunned. If you asked me, you asked me if I started at one. (laughs) Then you asked me, when do we die? Today you said, apropos of nothing, good corpse, bad corpse. (laughs) That's my favorite one. Whose feet? (laughs) I wrote down a a little bit that I really liked that is not funny. It's just like kind of a little tender thing. And I don't know what page it was on because I had to like just Google it once I remembered it. Um, What imperfect carriers of love we are and what imperfect givers that the reasons we can care for one another have nothing to do with the person cared for, that it has only to do with who we were around that person, what we felt about that person. Yeah, I remember that part. Um, Shall we, shall we rate? this bad boy i haven't rated it yet i'm kind of going between a two and a three i enjoyed it but seeing the mechanics of it bothered me a lot i think i'd probably give it like a two and a half if i could give a half i'm giving this a two because i hated it (laughs) but I understand that it's no, I mean, like, I feel like I've kind of made that clear in subtle ways. Um, (laughs) But I also understand that it's not a terrible book. But to me, I thought the writing was really bad. She had a few moments where like she stepped into something interesting. But like, overall, it was like this, this is MFA writing. And I hate this. And like, I kept stopping throughout it and thinking to myself, I hate this. My favorite thing about it was that it was really short. <laughs> Coming in with the kill right at the very end. But yeah, that's just me. Um, I think I'm going to give it a three. I, if there were half stars, I think I'd give it a three and a half. Thanks. Um, I liked it, you know? And I, I've, it af- affected me emotionally, for sure. And I don't disagree with the criticisms, Mm-hmm. But I think that the parts that's like affected me were powerful yeah. enough for it to. And I'm just heartless, so. No. <laughs> well, it's also no, like a, a personal thing for me, too. Mm-hmm. So I think right. it's just like part of it. It's hard to yeah. know, like, if I didn't have that experience, if, like, if I would feel differently. Uh, I'm going to give it a straight up regular three. No, have straight up regular three. Yeah. Um,. I, like, overall had an enjoyable experience. I just, uh, it's it's not higher super than a three read. for me because oh, yeah, I can, s- just because of the sort of I can see through what she's trying to do situation. But yeah. I did kind of like that, Kelly, and you said this about the book after you read it, that not a lot is happening, but it remains engaging, even though there's not, you know, it's not a plot-driven book. Um, and I would agree with that. So, yeah, I was not bored, and I was like, I wanted to keep reading it. 
Yeah, same. Yeah. So, so. that's a three for me. All right, great. <laughs> now what? <laughs> <laughs> if you have any comments or questions about this book, feel free to email us at thesquad at booksquadgoals.com or find us on social media and let us know what you thought. Tell us if we were wrong or right. What does a moon that looks like a zucchini coin look like? Aside from a straight-up fucking moon. Please, Please draw the zucchini coin moon. If you oh, if you draw, if you draw it and send it to us, we will post it on Instagram. We will. We got three feedbacks. Our first piece of listener feedback about fledgling by Octavia Butler is from our pal Alex. He says, Hey, book squad goals. It's your pal Alex from New England. Let's talk about vampires. So the vampire myth has been around for hundreds of years, but nobody got it right until Anne Rice put them in modern day Louisiana. Emily's nodding. I didn't hate <laughs> the book, but when I picked up one of the sequels, I opened a random page and Lestat was on the page on the stage playing a rock and roll playing in a rock and roll band and I was fucking out. Nope. I want my monster spooky and scary, not opening up for the cure in Cincinnati. Does he have Renfield roadies to carry his equipment? Does he patiently wait around during sound checks? Does he wake up really early to do college radio spots? Vampires being scared of garlic is stupid. Vampires being weak against water that somebody prayed over is stupid. The crucifix, mirrors, the limitations of travel, soil into the coffin, etc. is really, really stupid. But none of that is as silly as imagining a powerful immortal being sitting by a merch table after a concert trying to sell some t-shirts and tote bags. He doesn't because he's a fucking rock star. What rock stars do you see at a merch table? You gotta start somewhere. He's a vampire. He doesn't start Sorry for the long story. But speaking of long stories, Bram Stoker's Dracula is awesome. I hated it when I first read it. Loved it when I revisited it a few years ago. With one exception. One big exception. Dr. Van Helsing. Dr. Van fucking This is also... This is also blasphemy and absurd. Alex, this entire email is blasphemous. You can get to this. Let Mary keep reading. All right, go ahead. In concept, Van Helsing is awesome. A bookworm physician who uses science as his weapon, is willing to risk his life and soul to defend people he barely knows. In practice, he's a dweeb that won't stop writing his diary and doctor explaining everything. You think he'll be like Indiana Jones, but it turns out that he's more like Zach Morris and Saved by the Bell, pausing the narrative to tell you about some bullshit he just told you about last chapter. So here's the question. What is the worst character from a great book? Thanks for the show, Alex from New England. Alex, here's my question to you. How dare you? <laughs> oh, gosh. Dang. First of all, how dare you? <laughs> First of She's all, coming. how dare you? Exactly. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I cannot. I'll, I'll say, I know, like, I uh, I like the Anne Rice books, too. I'm not quite as into them as Emily. But I will say the Lestat rock star thing, which I think is Queen of the Damned. To me, that part of his life has a bit of a vibe like the comic book The Wicked and the Divine, Um, which, for those unfamiliar, is about 
mythological gods that are reincarnated as humans. Mm-hmm. And while they're alive, they burn bright, right? They're super famous and have all this stuff going for them. But then they will meet some inevitable doom. And that's kind of how I saw Lestat. He has all this power, all this money. He can make things happen for himself because he is an immortal. So if he wants to be a rock star... Exactly. He, he can doesn't be, start from the bottom. He can he be not start from the bottom. a rock star and kind of lubricate his way through that process right. through money because he's been alive for hundreds of years so i mean that's kind of how i perceived it is it's also, not necessarily like he had to put in his dues just pump the brakes there alex because first of all and rice vampires do not start in modern day they go all the way back and if you haven't realized that then you haven't read enough of the books and if you have a problem with Vampire Lestat as a rock star, maybe read the fucking book before you criticize it. Then you'd have answers to your questions. I don't know. I Some of her, like, the really early original vampire mythology Anne Rice does, I'm kind of like, mm, I don't know. <laughs> I have nothing to contribute um, to this discussion. Let's talk about Van Helsing. But I needed to make a noise. <laughs> I don't it's feel, like, super strongly... Make it quick, though. I'm just going to say hungry. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't understand. What's wrong with writing in your diary? It's, this sounds like... Do you love Van Helsing? Nothing's wrong with writing in your diary, but, like, I, I will agree other characters, especially the women in Dracula, are kind of, like, trying to get stuff what? done. And Van Helsing's like, let me explain a doctor thing. <laughs> And it's like, no, we need to get Somebody's stuff done. Somebody's gotta write this shit down. You can write up the report later. Look! This is... This is <laughs> he, needed a, he needed a grad student. The things that you are going to bat for y'all. right now. <laughs> baffling Somebody's me. gotta write this shit down. What's the worst character from a great book? Does anybody worst have Worst character? One? I've been trying to think about this book. the entire time you guys have been talking, and I yeah, still haven't thought anything. Yeah, same. I was trying to use my time wisely over here, but uh, I, I can't know. even think of one. I can't even think of a great book. <laughs> <laughs> it's been so long since I've seen a great book. Um, no, I was trying to think of, like, my favorite books, but I love everyone in them. So that's tough. This is this is kind of my problem too. So like I'm thinking about Pride and Prejudice, Mary. That was the first thing I thought of, like Lydia. Yeah. Mary from Being Pride and Prejudice awful. is just constantly like sucking all the air out of the room. <laughs> you know, like they're like, who wants to play piano? And she gets up there and like will not stop playing piano and everyone's like, Mary, come on. But I still am kind of like, well, she's doing the best she can. And she's plain so she's trying to show her talents and then you were named after her so it's like kind of uncomfortable and then i'm named mary so like i feel so some my way favorite book is weathering heights <laughs> and i mean there are a lot of characters that are there okay i kind of hate the narrator in weathering heights because he's kind of like well yeah. the narrator like he he i don't know he's kind of a douchebag what about like Helen Burns and Jane Eyre? The thing is, I I immediately thought of Jane Eyre, but I also don't even like the book. So I can't really say like worst character in a great book, but also Mr. Rochester is a piece of shit. Yes. So there's I'm looking that. at my shelf right now, like trying to figure something out. 
And I'm like looking at the books on my desk and it's all stuff like health at every size. You have the right to remain fat. Fra- white fragility. <laughs> <laughs> like all these dissertation books. Most of the characters I really think are awful, I think are probably supposed to be seen as That's awful. the other problem. So like, I don't know that I hate anyone that everyone else likes. That's I why I like think a Rochester is such a good opinion. fit because people romanticize the crap mm-hmm. out of him. Like he's the worst. He fucking sucks. There's a part in the novel where he literally tells Jane, "You know, I could rape you right now if I wanted to." Like he says, "I could use force." Mm-hmm. And here's the well, thing, Mr. though: Dawson I feel like it. I can't say anything bad about Rochester because, I, again, Wuthering Heights favorite book. I love Heathcliff. Is he terrible? Yes, but is he a great character? Yeah, I he's think amazing. he's a little more he's sympathetic than character. Rochester, although it's been longer since I've read Wuthering Heights. He hung a dog. Yeah, okay, well, yeah, <laughs> back he's out. out for me. Um, That's a no for me. From what I recall, yeah. I think that Darcy is not that great. He's not, no, he's but he mean. comes around. He acknowledges but he, he ha- was a jerk. But, like, as a person who's waited for a lot of dudes <laughs> to come around, like, they don't really come around. I mean, well, you know, also I mean? that's a bad message to send to women that dudes are going to come around yeah. because they won't. Yeah, or you think they do, but they didn't. They didn't. So, mm-mm. well, the They're thing about Darcy right is that he's just kind of a drag. Like he's not evil. He's just like mean in like a social way. <laughs> yeah, he's just kind of like no one wants to hang out with that guy. I mean, the thing is, though, is like, Elizabeth is not waiting on her, him. She hates him. Yeah. And then he proposes to her and she's like, excuse me? <laughs> and then she tells him off so thoroughly that he completely has to reevaluate his life. So, I'm just saying, I mean, that doesn't make him there. good. But he's not great. But he didn't threaten to rape anyone. He didn't threaten he didn't to rape anyone dog. and he didn't kill a dog. That's always a plus. That's a low-ass bar, but okay. <laughs> we, I mean, we are talking about white dudes. Yeah, so. the bar is, is <laughs> I like that our long. bar is like, well, we prefer men who don't kill, kill dogs. Kill animals. Or <laughs> yeah. We prefer yeah. them, but we'll settle if they'll but come around later. But here's the thing. I still love him. Mm-hmm. Even though he hangs a dog. All right. Not because I think he's a good person, but just because he's just such a great character. Oh, I have one. There's a difference. Um, in the yes. Harry Potter... Oh, well, he's a good character, but in the Harry Potter series, I fucking hate Snape. I hate him. Oh, I hate It's a controversial pick. There you go. That's true. Yeah, lots of people love him. Lots of people Snape. are like, he's oh, like, he did all the... Th- no. I used to love Snape, Snape but he's no. very creepy when you stop and think about it for any amount was, of time. He was an asshole to Harry because he was jealous of Harry's father, and it's just weird. And he was an asshole to Harry because his dad was mean to him as a child. Yeah. Like... Yeah, like, get over it. Also, like, it's not the same person. <laughs> like, you can't... Like, and also, James is dead, so you're not even getting revenge by being mean to his kid because he doesn't know, because he's dead. Anyway. Thank you, Alex. <laughs> so the next two feedbacks are actually about... Lestat. <laughs> so. Oh my god. If we've talked about vampires for We didn't more even than talk a- about Lestat on the episode. Let's stop talking about vampires yeah, we did. as soon as possible. <laughs> we got two I'm more. Done with it. Where did you get these, Emily? <laughs> <laughs> when I asked on Facebook about do you want to see the post? I, I saw it. Oh, yeah. on Facebook? No, I'm yeah. good. <laughs> <laughs> Kelly. 
I said, do you have any feedback about our episode? And and Blake said Lestat is the best vampire. Or no, he didn't say that. He was like, I love Lestat. And I was like, can you say a little bit more? And he was like, sure. And this is what he said. All right. I love Lestat. I don't know if he's the best. Oh, Blake from Atlanta. What up, Blake? I don't know if he's the best vampire. He can be a bit of an a-hole. But I always liked his irreverence and audacity. He's always breaking the rules of the vampire status quo, which are based almost solely on tradition over logic or practicality. Punk rock vampire. Yeah. See? There you go. Alex. Missy from Sacramento adds, I'm just going to lump these together because Missy was responding to yeah. Blake. Lestat is also so eager to be relevant. For someone who lives for hundreds of years, he easily lets go of the past and lives in the present. I think a lot of people can relate to his desire to fit in. Yeah. So there. To be fair to Alex, I don't think he was saying Lestat sucks. I think he was just like, I'm confused about the rock star thing. Yeah, but he also didn't read the book, so. I didn't read all the books, but I definitely watched the movie with Aaliyah in it. Oh my god, that movie was so bad. Yeah. <laughs> I thought everyone really liked that so movie. Bad. I don't know. It why. was bad. I know I people didn't it. like the movie. They liked seeing Stuart Townsend without a shirt on. <laughs> I don't know, but I miss Aaliyah. I can tell you that. Yeah. That's really interesting. That's true. R.I.P. Anyway. Thanks for the feedback. Thanks for the feedback, guys. Even though some people didn't appreciate it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I just thought maybe Emily was calling these from, like, other conversations she's had about um, Interview with no. a Vampire just to d- uh, prove Alex no. wrong. <laughs> Absolutely not. This was, I asked, like, hey, this was unsolicited. I did not bring up Interview with the Vampire. All I said was, like, hey, do you have anything you want to say about vampires? And this it is what came It was solicited, out. but just about vampires. Yes. Thank you, Mary, for backing me up. I mean, I'm just clarifying. And now... There are no more vampire discussions. Ever. Okay. Not Here ever. Here we go. Just for now. Until we read more stuff well, about not, vampires. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all, I, I think I've just decided I don't like vampires. <laughs> like, I, I've tried. I've tried them in different forms. I don't care. I don't like them. I don't want to talk about it anymore. Let's go. have a featured bookstore this I, month. I do. And this is the best kind of featured bookstore, which is the kind you just stumble into, and then you're like, this is awesome. Nice. So I was recently in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, um, for like a two-hour event. And as I was walking to it, I passed this adorable little bookstore called Ernest and Hadley Booksellers. So on my way out of town, I stopped in, and I talked to one of the managers, Avery, who is lovely. Uh, there are also two dogs in there. So, Oof, starting out with the important point. stuff, there are two dogs. But it's in this little house, and it's got, like, five or six rooms full of books. But they've got – they run book clubs there. And um, if you're in their book club, like, you can buy the upcoming book for 20% off. If you have a nice. book club that doesn't meet there, like us, then you can register your book club with them, and they'll give people 10% off of your upcoming book. So, I That's got really us great. registered – while we were there. So you can actually get our next book for 10% off because we're registered. Yeah. Um, Yeah, they've got just like a really great selection of new fiction stuff. I took a bunch of pictures while I was there because I kept spotting our like past and Mm -hmm. future books just featured on the shelves. I was like, oh, we did that one too. We did that one too. I was probably driving this girl insane. Um, (laughs) 
Um, <laughs> there's a really cute little children's room also. Um, lots of cozy little nooks to read in. They've got cool merch also. Um, and then one of the coolest things they have is in the back there's an annex for um, rare and signed books. Mm. So they've got a really cool selection of stuff back there. Um, some of it is like, there was like a first edition Jane Austen book back there. Um, and then a, a bunch of other kind of hard to find stuff or signed yeah. copies of things. Um, and a really good presence of local authors as well. Like not just in Tuscaloosa, but around the region. It's just something it's harder to find in the South for some reason. There's not a lot of great independent bookstores that actually mm-hmm. support the independent authors too. So, yeah. Um, they have some cool events coming up. I've said the word cool like eight times. So if you want to just like dub over me saying a different word, that'd be great. I will pull out my <laughs> yeah. list some adjectives. Go to town. But I was looking at some of their upcoming events and they have one, their next one, it will have already happened when this comes out, but it's called Other People's Poetry or OPP. And they'll, it'll have <laughs> it, they do OPP. it once a month and they'll have a theme. So they're doing, um, this one's called The Beckoning. And so it's like, poems about the dead uh and the only rule is it has to be someone else's and then people recite it they're also doing like a seance with this one so cool yeah just if you're into shit like that that's cool too and they do book signings for local authors and they actually have a festival coming up that um it supports local and regional authors basically but um the spots for authors are all filled up but you can still attend as a guest so there's there will be a link to all of that stuff in their website, but they're just, it's adorable, but also just the people were so friendly and like really wanted to help our listeners like get their hands on the next book, which is fun. I felt like a a real life book club, but also a podcast book club. Worlds colliding. (laughs) You are a real life book club. I know, but it was cool since it was like, cause she asked where we met and I was like, well, I mean, it's not really like that. And she's like, oh, well, that doesn't matter. Just do it this way. So. Uh, <laughs> like, hmm. perfect. Also, we can't understate the importance of shop dogs. Yeah, shop dogs and cats are great. Mm-hmm. And I actually bought Goodbye Vitamin mm-hmm. at this store. That um, was like, this is where I want to get it. Yeah. And it was just, it was so pretty just sitting there on the beautiful, beautiful shelves. And the dogs kind of convinced me. Hmm. Anyway, I feel like I've kind of rambled, but I was just really excited to find that place. Awesome. So Susan's post about it will be on the blog, and we will be linking all of our books uh, on our homepage to their website. And I drive through Tuscaloosa all the time, so I'm going to check that out. Oh, you do? Oh, yeah, like on your way to Atlanta? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. On my way to Well, I was just surprised because I feel like in college towns when you hear bookstore – you're like, oh, the giant university Barnes and Noble right. bookstore that has a bunch of crap in it, and like this not is an really actual books. bookstore. Yeah, so a good alternative to um, what I'm sure is a giant university bookstore at the University of Alabama. <laughs> so. Yeah. In addition to Susan's featured bookstore on the blog, there's a little something else on the blog right now. Riverdale recap. reason we have agreed to talk about all 500 episodes in this season 
Yeah, thank God we came up with like a, a new format because yes. it's a little easier this week. We way. have a little bit of a new format, and most excitingly, we have a new person joining us. Well, an old person to <laughs> the blog, but a new person to Riverdale Recaps. Gabriella is um, joining us to talk about Riverdale. She has posted for our blog before. And always writes really awesome blog posts, but now she is also writing about this trash fire alongside with us. Yes. Yay! So it is nice to have Glad her to on have board. You for you, Yay. Yay, trash fire. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Emily also has recaps. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so are you the one? It's wrapping up. So by the time this comes out, I will have posted my final recap, and we'll know if they found their perfect matches or I'm gonna not. I'm going to think no. Huh, it's not it's looking, looking good, good, guys. It's looking bleak. It's looking bleak. What happens? Do they just not win money? <laughs> yeah, they just don't win money, and that's the end of the show. It's or find love. crazy. They can still find love if they don't find their perfect oh. match, you know. I don't understand it's it. Just, it's just not... <laughs> wow. Um... So only there's only been one other season where they didn't win the money, so that'll be interesting. Damn, but that's such a bummer yeah. of an ending. It is because it's just like, nope, you didn't get it. Okay, bye. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty crazy. <laughs> I also did a blog post on a different website. Mm. Um called howtolearnyear20s.com, which you should check out. They have lots of fun articles with advice. Yeah. Um, but this is me returning the favor that Grace did us when she wrote her Hannibal blog. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wrote about podcasting. So I wrote a post, How to Start a Podcast. Um, it's a little guide for anyone who's interested in knowing how we started this podcast. Um, so you can learn all our secrets. All our secrets. You know, I wouldn't recommend following it exactly because we literally have no idea what we're doing. But, you know, there are some tips in there that you might find helpful. Also, at some point, Mary and I will do our YA book club. We're working uh, on it. School. We're working on it. Mary picked a thick book. So. It is a very thick book. Which book is it? Children of Blood and Bone. Oh, yeah, I wanted to read that with you guys, but oh my god, it's so thick. It's good, though. It's good. It's just <laughs> exactly. very long. As Ivan it's would say, thick. she thickums. Thickums? Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> this book is thickums, Ivan. It's what's up. As we're recording this, the shooting in Pittsburgh at the Tree of Life Congregation Synagogue was two days ago. It's um, horrible, and I don't really know what else to say about it other than um, I would just really love it if you consider donating a little bit to the Jewish Federation of Greater Pittsburgh. Um, If you want to do that, we have a link in the show notes, but it's jfedpgh.org slash donate. Or if you just want to do- donate to like a good cause in general, you can do that to the ACLU. And be kind to each other. I would say that's all we can do right now is yeah. Um, try to... And vote. Don't forget to vote. Don't forget to vote. 
yeah, when you hear this on Monday, it better be Monday when you're listening. Vote tomorrow. <laughs> vote. I already voted. If you haven't already. We don't have early voting here mm-hmm. in Alabama because we like to make it mm-hmm. hard as possible. So We don't have early <laughs> voting in Mississippi either. Shocking. I got at that absentee ballot in. So. Well, I'm going to vote. I, I actually... I actually went to the post office this morning to mail it off and I was like very much like I went to mail it off and I wanted it to feel like as exciting as actually going to the polls to vote. So I was like very much like, yes, I am here to mail my absentee ballot because I have voted. (laughs) This is where I voted. I would like you to put a stamp on this, please. Like I was very like, I've voted. Like, can I get a motherfucking sticker? And I was like, like, do you have those little I'm a Georgia voter stickers? And they were like, this is Mississippi and it's a post office. And I was like, okay, bye. (laughs) So can you announce it on your PA system, please? (laughs) They didn't need to because I was (laughs) speaking very loudly and there was a good like reverberation going on. All right. Good. I think everyone. Vote, guys. Vote. Vote. Please. Please vote. And also donate if you feel so moved. Even like a little bitty bit would be cool. The next episode. The next episode is going to be about Suspiria. Our scary ballerina episode. Is this officially out yet? It is. I'm very concerned about being able to watch it. It came out this last weekend. Um, so it's going to have a wide release next weekend. Yes. Does wide release include places that sometimes don't even get those? It should. You know, we'll see. If if we can't, then we'll change it. We'll do a, a Black Swan episode. <laughs> yeah. There will be scary ballerinas in this episode. Yes. <laughs> there will be. Um, I'm hoping that it will be Suspiria ballerinas because I already bought my ticket. But if, we, if you guys can't see it, then we'll... I'm I'm trying to get a copy of the old Suspiria to watch. I'm gonna watch it too. Someone's lending it to me. You guys are doing a lot of work. Yeah, I need to do that. What about our next book? <laughs> the next. You guys are book doing a lot of work. Is Emily's pick? <laughs> no, it's my pick. Nope. It's my pick. It's it's not my Kelly's pick. pick. <laughs> like we said, I, I think Kelly's I thought it was pick. Emily's pick because Emily has interviewed Celeste Ng before. I I literally forgot it was my own pick. And I, like, went to our website because I was like, what is my next book? And I was so confused. And then I realized that this is my pick. We have audio of you saying that you're picking this book. I know. Uh, I definitely picked this. And I'm excited to read it. The way you said that sounds like I definitely picked this and was not forced. (laughs) (laughs) I'm worried. It's on. It's on. No, Look, I. I Emily did not even. Had nothing to do with this. Emily didn't have anything to do with this. It's true. Thank you. Well, anyway, our next book is Little Fire, Little Fires. Why can't I talk? Our next book is Little Fires Everywhere by Celeste Ng, and I'm really excited to read it. Me too. I've had it for like a year. It has a really yeah, cute cover. And we encourage you to please read along. The episode will not be coming out until late November, so you have plenty of time. Also, it's going to be a TV show. Mm-hmm. Starring Carrie Washington and Reese Witherspoon, so get ahead of that. Yeah. Why not read it? And read this book. So you can be ready for the show. Mm-hmm. Totally.
Um, as yeah. always, you can follow us on social media at Book Squad Goals. You can email us at the squad at booksquadgoals.com. Our website is booksquadgoals.com. You can add a slash blog to the end of that and check out all of our wonderful blog posts. And please, for the love of God, subscribe. <laughs> on whatever podcast app you use. And please, for the love of God, give us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts, which is how other people will find us. Please, for the and love of God. And please write in and let us know your thoughts so that I don't have to ask people on Facebook. <laughs> yeah, do us a favor and allow us to stop harassing our friends and family. Unless you have something to say about vampires, in which case, keep it to yourself. No, go ahead, write it. No, we got all we need. Right at the top of the email, just write, Susan, don't read this. And then you can put your vampire comment. (gasps) Petrina. Oh, my God. Can Petrina say something to sign us off? Petrina. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) 